Hello and welcome to episode 268 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now, for me, this episode is one of the biggest that I've done since I've started Mark and Me over five years ago. Anyone that knows me will know how much I love the band The Used. To have Burt McCracken join me on today's episode actually doesn't feel real. When I started Mark and Me, I made a list of bands I wanted on. Incubus, Deftones, Silverchair, Pearl Jam. But The Used were on that list of ten. They are unbelievable and I've loved them since university. I truly believe that Maybe Memories is one of the best opening tracks to any album ever. I also believe that Bert's vocals, his lyrics and everything about him is astonishing. And when I've seen them live, I've been completely captivated and just immersed in his performance every single time. I can't believe that I'm saying this, but yes, on today's episode, I am joined by Bert from The Used. We get to sit down and talk all about the band's history to date, all about their brand new album, Toxic Positivity, and that's out right now, and trust me, it's unbelievable. And we get to talk about so much more, and that interview will be coming up in literally just a couple of minutes' time. But before we listen to that, let's quickly touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 267, I was joined by Patrick Reed Johnson, the director, the writer, the producer, and it was a great episode. So thank you to everyone that listened, all the Star Wars fans that have now gone and checked out the film about his life. It's amazing. So thank you to everyone that tuned in. But today, I still can't believe I'm saying this, I am actually joined by Bert from The Used, someone I respect so much, and the interview truly has been worth the wait. It's so good. Now, just before I give you that interview... Let's give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, Richer Sounds. Without those guys, this podcast couldn't exist. And if you're in the market for a new TV or home cinema surround sound system or a Sonos or a record deck or whatever you want, go to richersounds.com because those guys really look after Mark and me and they're the best out there. Now, all that's left to do is to get to one of my favourite interviews that I've done. So here it is. Here's me and Bert talking all things... The used. So, Bert, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. What I like to do with all guests that come on the show is take it right back to the very start. So what I want to know is what was those first albums that maybe you had with Pocket Money or your parents were playing in the house or something that you were kind of remember as being that band that you then probably made you want to pick up a a microphone or a guitar or be a musician? Yeah, my parents had uh, some vinyl of Michael Jackson. And I think from the first time I heard Michael Jackson, I was hooked. And then I saw him perform on MTV, and that was the moment where I said to myself, "I want to, I want to be a singer on stage. I want to do what he does." So yeah, it all started with MJ. I mean, MJ for me as well. I think we had the same age. I'm 41, so uh, I yep, think we, yeah, same sort of background. But I remember on tape having bad. And everyone at school with their Walkmans just playing it and trying to moonwalk along the the kind of uh, playground. And I don't know, like 
There was no one else like it. It was just incredible. Yeah, it's hard to find something like that today. It's just so unique and catchy and relatable. And just in the feeling of how he sang, you kind of didn't really matter what the lyrics were. You kind of felt it. And I kind of remember all his music videos, just like black and white. It was like going to the cinema and watching a film. It was like so epic and Earth Song and all these songs were like, their music videos yeah. were like 10 minutes long. You had Macaulay Culkin popping up. You had all these incredible yeah. special effects. And I'd be mesmerized. Like like you said, I wouldn't even care about what he's singing about. I'd be like, this is such a, it was just a spectacle. It was incredible. Yeah, debuting songs weeks in advance. And like, yeah, what a magic time for music. I know. I don't feel like there's anyone now doing that kind of music video where you're screaming and the whole earth's falling apart. That's what the world needs, more <laughs> music videos like that. I agree, 100%. And then what about live music? Because at my age, one of the first gigs I went to was Green Day on the Dookie Tour. And I, I, that was that kind of moment when I realized that even though I had the tape at home, hearing When I Come Around and Basket Case and She Live, I was like fuck like it sounds even better I, I couldn't believe that only three people were making that much sound on stage so what was that kind of early gig you went to that you thought fuck like you know your rib cage was shaking or your hairs on your neck were sticking up and you're like this is everything yeah i went to a ton of punk rock ska punk shows i think the first show that kind of spoke to me was suicide machines they had such a live presence and the, the singer was just all over the crowd, sweaty mess and beautiful, the beautiful chaos that is music. I was hooked. That's awesome. And I suppose it's, it's scary now when I look back at dates and there's a lot of bands over here in the UK at the moment that are doing sort of anniversary tours. So bands like Kellis for Heroes and 100 Reasons, they're all doing like 20 anniversary tours of their debut album and stuff. But you guys formed in 2000, which just blows my mind. It's sort of 23 years ago now. You must feel like, yeah. fuck, was it, that, was it that long ago? But Yeah, it's what, what was it that made you want to join a band? Was it that you just didn't want to do the normal nine to five? Was that not for you? Were you just wanting to be that guy on stage and perform every day? Yeah, going to, going to a show maybe four or five times a week, um, I knew right away that, that was my life. That was what I was going to do. And especially going to Warp Tour, that was a huge part of it for me. Seeing so many bands in one place and feeling the energy of so many people just there to experience what I was there to experience. Um, yeah, that was kind of the end goal when we first started the band. We just wanted to play Warp Tour and then we've succeeded and our dreams have come true. <laughs> I, I, what do you do then when you hit that target quite soon into a kind of in your career so far because it's weird isn't it bands like dream of playing slam dunk or reading and Leeds, or here in the uk it'd be like oh if we could just get the main stage that would be our goal achieved but for you if you wanted warp tour and you got it quite early on did you just then go with the flow or were you like changing your kind of output and everything were you like well let's try and get the fucking main stage let's try and you know not be supporting this band you know I think there's a natural um, push towards bigger and better, but I think everything from Warp Tour on was the icing on the cake. We've always just been from a small town, going to see small little shows. Um, so yeah, from there on out, we were, we were living. <laughs> 
I think what's been quite interesting as well, I've had bands on recently like Incubus and Feeder who have kind of started at the same time as you guys and bands like Korn and stuff. And I wonder what it is that keeps you guys going. So obviously at the moment you've you've had the announcement about Toxic Positivity coming out, but you've still got new music. You're still touring like the early days. You're still got the hunger and the taste for it. And I wonder what stops it kind of drifting? Is it just because it's in you and it will never leave? Yeah, the the amount of work we've put into it is a bit of a driving force. It feels, like you said, it feels crazy that it's been 23 years and um, pouring our entire heart and soul into this music the entire time. But also we just love recording and we, we just love playing it live, getting to know the new songs and know how they work out live and hearing people sing along it's there's not there's not a better feeling i had um dan from the band buried tomorrow on recently and he's a big advocate for mental health and one thing i really respect about you is that you don't hide it you don't hide that you've had issues or you've had problems or you know there's been demons along the way and I know recently when you were scheduled to play uh, Slam Dunk in the UK, you didn't just say something like, oh, we have problems with travel or, you know, something that happened stopped us playing. You were very honest and put an open letter out there saying you had mental health issues and you needed to just take a step back to, to kind of address it. And do you think the world's changing in the way that men can now put their hand up and say they've got problems? You don't have to wear a mask all the time. Um, I feel like if I tell my friends I'm having a bad day or I'm feeling depressed, it's not laughed at anymore. It's kind of like me too. And like, thank fuck for it that you're saying this because I've been wanting to tell people the same for a long time. Yeah. I think um, it's a little bit more natural for women to talk about their feelings together. And it's maybe been ingrained in us that, you know, back in the fifties, you just keep a face on and shut shut your fucking mouth. But yeah, it feels good nowadays to know that when you do open up and you are honest, that there's so many people out there that can relate to that. The world is full of depression and anxiety and other sorts of, uh, like you said, demons. Um, that yeah, it's a it's an amazing thing to come around full circle and have the ability to be honest and um really open up what what is it that you do differently now to stop yourself going back into that kind of the dark road and walking down that path that can only cause destruction what do you try to is there anything that you've changed about the way you think or the way you do things well it takes a lot of um perseverance i think that when you have a kind of a debilitating depression that kind of keeps you down keeps you keeps you from talking to people um and keeps you from doing the things that you know you love to do um it's really easy for other people to say just you know get up and get up and do it um but for me it takes a lot of deep breathing i've just started this pretty incredible meditation um and yeah i think that every little bit my family my friends playing music again, being able to write and record and put all of those emotions um, deep, deep into the songs, embedded in the songs. During COVID and, you know, for any other job, I think people could still carry on doing the work they do. So when you look at things like, 
I don't know, you're an accountant, you could still take your laptop home and work from home and do your job. But I think bands got hit so hard because the touring crew, your production, your stage managers, but the bands themselves kind of got their whole lives put on pause. And I really felt like, was there ever going to be a festival again? Was there ever going to be a gig again? Because all I kept getting on my emails was Alice in Chains cancelled. You know, all these different concerts were just being pulled. How did you kind of cope during that time? Were you just telling yourself that there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel? Or did it give you a chance to take a well-earned step back and reflect on where you're at? Or was that even a moment for you to kind of say to yourself, is this the right time to call it a day? Yeah, I never thought about giving up on the used, but uh, there was no possible way for me to look at the light at the end of the tunnel. I was just, I was completely wrecked. It definitely, um, it definitely put me in a place where I've never been before. I've always struggled with anxiety and depression, but not, not to this level where it kind of keeps me in bed and keeps me from going and playing awesome, amazing festivals. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So for for a long time, and especially being so far removed, I live in Sydney and have for 10 years. So it felt <clears throat> a little bit like I was locked out of my home, um, kept from the place where I was familiar and kept from my family. And, and my, my family, I mean, my bandmates. Um, yeah, it wrecked me. I had no, it wasn't until band started playing again that I was, really in the mindset of like okay things things seem like they're getting better this is a good this is good news did it kind of give you a whole new um appreciation of playing a live show that moment that you could go back on stage and play with your family you know your band did it make you kind of not ever take that for granted ever again did you like look this could be our fucking last show every time we play now yep i think that uh we've had a really lucky career of feeling that the entire time we i mean i'm in perth right now and i can't believe it what am i doing here i'm here to play a show <laughs> it's, it's the most absolutely incredible and um insanely personal journey that i've been on that kind of leads me back to this place of just complete awe and wow about what we get to do so i think that yeah definitely during the pandemic coming back we played we did a tour with Coheed and Cambria where it was still, you know, separation, can't talk to the bands, don't have anything to do with the crew. Um, so it was a kind of a slow progression back, but the shows have always felt insane. And especially coming out of a, what it, whatever it was, two years of lockdown, um, had a, we have a very, very insane appreciation for being able to be out here like we are. And you mentioned, obviously, you have anxiety um, and being a frontman of a band, all the focus is on you. And one thing that I've seen every time I've been to see you guys when you've been in the UK or play festivals is I genuinely can't take my eyes off you when you're performing. I, you've just, you're just a natural. You've got everything it takes to be a frontman. And do you find that really difficult if you're having a bad day and you have to switch on that button of I'm going to be burnt from the use and I'm going to fucking tear this stage up and scream my heart out and interact with the crowd when really on that day you might just want to sit on the bus and lock yourself away and say, look, fuck off for today. I'm not feeling this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. It means a lot. And 
it's the, it's the stage that brings me that brings the Burt from the used out. Um, like I said, like Coheed and Cambria tour, um, being so kind of still locked away from everything. I, I pretty much stayed the entire tour in the back lounge, either taking new drugs or coming off old drugs. And yeah, I, I was able to, once I made it on the stage, I felt like me again. So are you kind of, it's difficult, but are you, are you kind of always waiting to go on stage to then become you? Because that's the real bit. Because when you walk on stage, that's that's you doing what you do. That's why you were put on this earth. That's what you're there to do is entertain and perform. Is that kind of your moment to become you in the whole time that you're not on stage, you're struggling to then try and be the person who hasn't got a microphone? Right. I think that there's a, a pretty heavy balance nowadays. I'm Bert from the used on stage, but I'm Rob at home. I'm the dad, dad yeah. life, you know. So there's a huge kind of separation of what's really, really important um, between home life and band life. But it's so very exciting to be in a band after 23 years and still still be playing mad shows where everyone's singing along. Um, very, very uh, grateful and feel very lucky to still be up here doing it. And as we're putting this into you out, you'll be only a few weeks away from the world getting to hear Toxic Positivity. Not the easiest band uh, album title to say. When I say it, I'm like, Toxic Positivity. It's like, it doesn't <laughs> roll off the tongue. But um, I was lucky enough to get an advanced uh, copy. And truly, and I'm not just saying this because you're here now, it could be your debut. It could be that band that have just put absolutely everything their heart their soul the lyrics the production the rawness it doesn't sound like a band that are so many albums in that have done 20 years that have toured that have probably really not got as much to write about credit to you man it, it's it's fucking incredible oh thank you so much yeah i think it's it's partly to do with that dark place i felt like the emotions from the first record and feeling stuck and feeling trapped and um, feeling like there's no hope to get out and be who I want to be. I think that a lot of that came full circle on this record. Um, feeling trapped, feeling um, the darkness uh, kind of consume whatever bright light there was. Um, yeah, I think this record is very aggressive and if nothing else, honest it's the, the word is honest and you know even if you look at the song titles i hate everybody giving up numb you know it's not like oh i wonder what this album's about i wonder how he's feeling it's like straight in your face but do you kind of look at it as um most people would write their thoughts down in counseling or talking to people or even as a diary that's their kind of way of getting it off out of their brain stop kind of being that pain that never goes away do you feel that when you're writing your lyrics that's you having a counseling session with yourself, do you feel like it's you writing a diary entry to get those thoughts out because otherwise they'll just eat away at you forever? Yeah, it's, it's beyond therapeutic. It's beyond cathartic. It's really, it's everything. I'm very lucky to have that outlet. Um, always starts with poetry. I'm always writing and hopefully using all that writing to put towards songs. Um, but there's something magic about the process of putting words to music that is so powerful and so nostalgic and 
I think one of the most powerful things on earth, it's, it's almost like taste or smell can just trans transform everything can put you in a place where you remember. The thing I think that's really open and honest about the used is, and I might be wrong, but I don't ever see you going on a big hiatus again or taking loads of time off. It feels like you guys are so grateful for this opportunity that you've got, especially you when I talk to you. I can see that you're so... It's not lucky because you've worked your ass off, but you, you've been given an opportunity that everyone would kill for. Anyone in the band would love to play the shows that you get to play, to get to go around the world. And I can't see you ever throwing the white, the white towel in. I feel like you've got still another 20 years to go. I mean, you know, when you're in your 60s, it might be like the Rolling Stones and you might just not quite, you know, be sick on stage or be heavy. But I, I can never see you just saying, oh, I'm done now. I'm just going to sit and write books or... Yeah, sometimes my um, my wife will say, what are you going to do, sing Taste of Ink when you're 60? And I say, I fucking hope so. I literally, <laughs> I literally fucking hope so. Um, yeah, we have no need to take a break, to be on hiatus, to go away for 15 years and then come back swinging. We, uh, we love to write music. We're ready to go back in the studio right now and write another one. So, yeah, it's great. I can't believe that before this album's even hit the shelves, you're already wanting <laughs> to go back in and just completely start writing again. There's something magic about working with John Feldman. And like you said, the therapy that, um, that comes with writing a music, writing a piece of music and putting words to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's like nothing else. Do you kind of find that, and you've mentioned it a little bit today on the interview, but you need a better work-life balance and being a family man, having a wife, do you feel that you've had to make a few changes that give your time to the people that deserve it instead of kind of probably outstretching yourself to try and please everybody? Because sometimes in life you've got a hundred people around you and you want to be the yes man and not say no to people. But sometimes you just need to say, look, fuck this. This is too much. I'm going to strip it all back and only kind of give my time to the people that matter. Yeah. Um, it's it's a crazy um, flip the switch when I come home. I think that being out on tour and being on stage, it's un unavoidable that you feel a little bit of ego and a little bit of um, pride is a pride is almost the word. Um, but yeah, when I go home, I got to remember that I'm I'm a dad like anyone else, and these kids should be the number one most important thing in your life and being around them. It's not hard to be in that place. And do you kind of, I know I sound really boring, like an old granddad now, but do you have to kind of take it a bit easier now? Because I go, I, who did I go and see the other day? I went to see Limp Biscuit. I saw Limp Biscuit in the UK and they played an hour and a half and it sounds absolutely ridiculous. But I remember seeing them 20 years ago, being in the mosh pit, jumping around and like after an hour, I was like, I think I need to just go and get a drink and sit by the bar for a minute just because my back's starting to hurt. And I was like, who the fuck am I? They're playing rolling and there's me standing at the back saying my back's hurting. But I couldn't imagine being Fred Durst still being able to stand on stage at his age, kind of giving it everything. I think, I don't know, perhaps I'm just getting old, but I thought, I wonder if you kind of can't have too many drinks after the show or you're kind of like, I might have an earlier night tonight. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that's changed over the years. I know that if I'm screaming my ass off one night, I probably won't be able to 
talk or sing the next night. So there's a little bit of moderation. Instead of going to 11, we can kind of take it to nine and try to get by (laughs) for the the next few shows. Um, But yeah, I think being on stage keeps you young. I think um, getting lost in that adrenaline in that moment with everybody singing along and just being, just feeling that, um, feeling that moment for what it really is and being completely in awe of everything. I can't believe that we've been around for 23 years and it's still going the way that it's going. And as you're sitting here right now, obviously you couldn't be further away from us, but is there kind of any talk or hope that we'll get to see you over here at some time in the near future? Yeah, there's definitely talk. We, uh, we haven't been there in so long that it's like we we're dying to get back. It feels like ages. It really does. I'm it like, has, I know we had pandemic, but I'm like, fucking hell! Like, I've not seen you guys on a poster for ages. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but when we do come back, I think it'll be we'll come back swinging. It could be worse. We haven't. We just played in New Zealand, and we haven't been there for seventeen, eighteen years. Oh wow! So. Okay, I can't moan then. <laughs> And now when you're sitting there and you're doing this set list, I I suppose as a band, even though, you know, like the taste of ink is the one that everyone wants to hear. And you've got these hits that are just, you know, blue and yellow, the songs that people just really want to hear. Um, are you sitting there kind of as a band thinking as much as we love, maybe memories, you know, we can do it with our eyes closed. We've played it 10,000 times. Do you try and incorporate quite a lot of the new material? So you guys, I've got a bit more of a challenge on stage and it feels a bit more exciting, but knowing the same time the band know the songs, but the crowd, you've got to kind of win them over with the new material. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, humbling to play some new stuff and to see how it's going to go down. We, we love, we're not a band who shies away from the old stuff. We love playing the taste of ink. We could play it a million more times. Um, but yeah, it is it is nice to have that challenge of figuring out how the new songs are going to work out live and where I'm going to let the crowd sing and um, if they're even going to sing. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a different feeling from playing the old ones, that's for sure. I think as well what I really respect about you guys, I've seen a lot of bands that go in the studio and they sound epic and they have all these 12 different layers of guitars and production techniques that just make it sound like it could fill a stadium. But then when you go and see the band live, it lacks that because they haven't got 12 guitars on stage. But what right. I love about bands like you and Frice and Deftones is that it sounds like the same band that I've got on the CD that I've been listening to on the way to the gig. You've still got the rawness and it doesn't sound like a complete replica, but there's nothing missing. It's not like, oh, okay, I can hear that there's lacking a, uh, an extra product, you know, produced guitar here. And that's what I fucking right. love about you guys. You know, the, the way that the rawness is still there on stage. It's not just like this overproduced, polished, incredible sounding album that then can never be replicated on stage. Right. We take the two different types of music in two completely separate ways. I think that a record that's recorded, you want it to sound as good as possible. You want that raw kind of feeling to still come through. But then making the transition to playing it live, I think you have to really think about what the song really is outside of the recorded version and how that's going to play live to keep to keep that rawness and keep that energy and still have it sound great. 
for everyone to hear. There's a lot of people that, and it must be difficult because you're in the band and you are Bert from the use, but there's a lot of people, I see it on Instagram and I see it on Twitter that really respect and look up to you as their like role model um, because you've gone through the worst times and come out. I've asked this to a few bands that have kind of worn their heart on their sleeve, but what advice do you give to people that are struggling, that are listening today, that you know, reach out to you and really struggle with depression or anxiety, what what would you say that is the key to kind of not letting it defeat you that's always kept you going? Oh, that's a really tough question. I think a really important part of coming to grips with anxiety and depression, we're talking to a good friend of mine, Emma, about this before, um, is allowing yourself that space uh, to not feel guilty um, about the situation you're in. Because I think that the guilt on top of the anxiety and depression can just be a lethal combo. So I would, I would tell people to go easy and don't don't feel so guilty about where you're at. You're in a place where literally hundreds of millions of people understand where you're at and whether or not the people close to you understand or not, you're not alone. Do you think it's a kind of time when everyone's trying to just please everybody? I think I struggle sometimes with, I'm feeling like shit today, but I'm not going to put a picture on Instagram of me lying in bed, feeling depressed, not wanting to get out of bed. But at the moment I'm feeling good and I'm walking the dogs and I'm on a beach, I'm like, let's show the world how happy I am because it's, we're kind of told to kind of only show the good side of our lives. And sometimes I think it's important that people maybe when they're reading your lyrics or hear your songs, know that, okay, this guy isn't fucking a millionaire loving his life, sitting in a mansion. He's fucking struggling like I am. Yeah, I think that, um, well, fortunately, I don't have any social media, so I'm not in the same place, but I do understand it. And um, I think that's what's so perfect about songs is you don't have to put your best shiny, beautiful face forward, all filtered and um, horrifically changed for other people's pleasure or what you what you would imagine other people's pleasure everyone's just so worried about how they look and how they come off that it's kind of pointless um but yeah i think that uh we've been we've been trained to be people pleasers nowadays in a way that kind of hasn't ever happened before um yeah lucky to be able to put that music forward instead of my most beautiful face in my luxury lot of consumer goods. <laughs> it's so important. I think there's nothing wrong with just saying no sometimes. I think we're so kind of pressured to always want to please everybody and wear a mask and be happy. I think some people should just be able to turn around and say, I don't want to go to that party or I don't want to hang out with you tonight because do you know what? I just want to, be on my own and kind of recharge my batteries. I think the problem is we're forced to say yes to everything all the time. And then we just burn ourselves out. Yeah. comes back to what you were saying, uh, pleasing people. Um, sometimes you do have to take a step back and remember that self care and looking out for yourself first is sometimes most times the best option. And how's the kind of next few months for you? I looked literally today uh, and I looked at your schedule. I'm like, fucking hell, like this is busy. New album, loads of dates over the US. Obviously you're in Australia. Is Australia now, is it at the moment for the next few days? Yeah. 
yeah. it's, it's it's hectic and I'm thinking my god like it's only going to get busier as the album comes out so loads of press and stuff are you kind of prepared for it all are you mentally now like here we go again like we've had two years off I'm now back better than ever I dreamed of having this day of being able to play again and have new music so I'm really going to fucking enjoy the next few years yeah I'm back I wouldn't say better than ever I still have lots of ups and downs um which is important to recognize I think that I've um I have strong feelings about understanding where you feel you're at your body your mind um and so yeah there's a lot more ups for me now than downs still in that place um treading lightly um still taking the time to like you said i'm gonna i'm gonna go home for now and take care of myself instead of go to the party that's good to hear um you seem in a good place you know obviously you said there's still other things you want to do to to be you're not in the best place you've ever been but you're happy and you're with your family and a wife and healthy and you're looking good man and it's really good to see you know there's times when i've read magazines or internet reports and i thought i really hope this fucking guy pulls through i really hope i'm not going to read that you know he's gone from us because it's happening around us all the time you know only a year ago now taylor hawkins and all these yeah. incredible people that have had an impact on me and i'm really glad that you're not on that list and i'm talking to you today it feels like a fucking really true real moment yeah thank you man i think being back out being back on tour being back with my best friends in the whole world and getting to do what we love to do more than anything is a huge part of um understanding what makes me me and yeah fit, like you said feel so lucky and so incredibly grateful to have this opportunity that um, do anything not to um take it for granted not to fuck it up and the best thing is you're just about to release i think one of your best albums some of the most raw songwriting lyrics the production sounds incredible, but also raw as fuck. It's incredible. Your sound engineer and producer gets it right every single time. And I haven't obviously been able to show my mates yet, but I just can't wait for them to be like messaging me in a couple of weeks. Like, oh my fucking God, have you heard the used album? I'm like, yes, I have. Like, you should, <laughs> you should give yourself a massive pat on the back because I'm sure it's been there for a few months. You've sat on this for a while, but you might have even got to the point where you're like, oh, I'm, I just want to get it out there now, but it's worth the wait. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Oh man, that means a lot. Yeah, we've been sitting on it for a while, but that hasn't taken any of the excitement away. I think I listened to the full record maybe three times yesterday in our travels from New Zealand to here. So yeah, I love it. I love it as much as you do. I love it as much as they are going to, um, if not more. That's it's amazing. And what do you think you'd do if you weren't doing the used right now? Have you ever thought of going down the options of like doing music videos for bands or producing other bands or kind of getting involved in directing or writing for other people? Or are you just fucking always just going to be burnt from the used doing what you want to do in your band, you know? Yeah, if I wasn't in this place, if I wasn't in this band, I'd probably be struggling to be in a great rock band that is able to go out and play live. And if I couldn't do that, I would, you know, write poetry and concentrate on on words. But luckily, I can put words to music. 
One of my favourite books that I own in my collection is the lyrics of um, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. The fact that he can do poetry as well, and he's one of the best lyricists around. Like you know, his songs just fucking cut me deep. Like Jeff Buckley, I'm like, wow. I think one day you should have a nice little poetry book that's got your name on it. Um, if it happens, I want ten percent because I'm suggesting this right <laughs> now. <laughs> but um, I would love to write. I would love to write some fiction. Um, but I'm the type of reader who feels like I need to read every great book in the world before I can even begin. So we'll see. But yeah, poetry. You've got it, man. Yeah. I want that poetry book by you. You're a fucking genius at writing, and that shouldn't just be on the inside of a CD, which people don't even buy anymore. You know, it's you don't sit there with the CD cover anymore and read page by page and see the lyrics. You have to look on Spotify. But give us that book, man. We need it. I would love to. Well, there's a there's you know more than twenty three years of of poetry. If I pulled some, I just don't want to take the uh, <laughs> I don't want to like <laughs> take the piss quite yet. <laughs> My final question for you, and I ask this on every single podcast to every guest that's been on. It doesn't matter who they are, but I put you on the spot and I ask you to pick the very final piece of music that's played. So after today's episode is all edited, and the world's ready to listen to it. You get to choose the final song. It can be any song by any band or any piece of music. Most people don't pick their own band because that's just just too arrogant, isn't it, to have the, the used play after the used interview. But if there's a song that means hell of a lot to you, and when I ask the question, what was that song that came to your head and your heart and your soul above any other song that's the outro song today on this podcast? Well, I'm going to take the... Uh piece of shit arrogant path and, <laughs> 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 and, and <laughs> just the whole new album that, yeah <laughs> mention a song that means more to me now than i ever thought it would it's uh i think the single's coming out tomorrow it's a song called numb and i think it's um it speaks to everything we've been talking about this entire podcast interview i think that it's um in a time, if I didn't write the song, I would be able to grab onto the song and really be inspired by the song. So yeah, the piece of shit, arrogant path to my own music. Leash <laughs> <laughs> didn't ask. I've had people on and they picked a... So some bands come on, they give me like 15 minutes of their time. And I asked this one band, um, give me an, an outro song that you really love. And they said, okay, it's a B-side from Yoko Ono. I was like, okay, cool. It's an <laughs> instrumental and it's 19 minutes long. Oh, no. So I was like, for fuck's sake, we've done an interview for 15 minutes and the episode's now nearly 40 because you've picked 20 minutes <laughs> of just this fucking random bollocks. So <laughs> at least you didn't do that. I could have given you one of those, but I thought I'd I thought I'd take the high road, if you know what I mean. I love it. Um, genuinely, I'm so grateful. Emma will vouch for this. I'm a massive fan of The Used, and I, to not sound like a fanboy, I have a list of bands that I've always wanted to get on the podcast, and sometimes you just can't achieve these things or things don't happen. But um, to have you on and now kind of see my list being ticked off and to have that on Spotify and kind of a a little staple in my life of like the used have been on and I've got to talk to Bert genuinely means the world to me. So I hope you realize and just know how much I appreciate your time today. And it's genuinely a pleasure to actually have you on. Well, that's awesome, man. Appreciate you. And 
um, I feel lucky to be a part of your um, ginormous lists of giants that you've had on your podcast. So thank you very much. Awesome. I hope the rest of the tour goes well. I hope that in the very near future, I get a text of Emma saying, the used are playing, there's a whole UK tour. And I really I can't wait for everyone to hear this new album because... Well, I'm going to rub it in now and be arrogant, but I'm going to go and spend the rest of the day listening to it because I've got it and <laughs> people out there haven't. And uh, I'll now listen to Numb and hear it in a whole different light. So thanks so much, dude. And uh, I wish you all the luck with the rest of Press Ahead. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your time. Is it worth the can you even hear me? Starting with your spot that I'm in. Not enough to feed the hungry. I'm tired and I felt it for a while now. This seems lonely. The taste of ink is getting old. It's four o'clock in the fucking morning. Each day gets more and more like the last day. So there it is. And I will never get bored of saying this. There's my interview with me and Bert McCracken from the incredible band, The Used. Someone that I've really wanted on this podcast and still can't believe it's actually happened. I want to give a big shout out to Emma for making this happen. And as always, I am so in debt with you for these amazing guests that you get me. But I am so grateful and I really appreciate it. And honestly, I owe you for the rest of my life. If you haven't and you're listening to this interview right now and haven't stopped and gone and checked out the used brand new album, as soon as this interview's finished, get on Spotify or Amazon Music or however you listen to your music and listen to Toxic Positivity. Truly, it's one of the used best albums. I absolutely love it and it will blow your mind. And as you just heard, the closing track today comes from that as well, which will give you a great taste and flavour of what to expect from this brand new album. If you've enjoyed today's episode, and I say this every time because it's crucial to marketing me growing a bigger fan base, please share it. I will never charge you guys at home for listening to Mark and Me, but all I ask in return for these podcasts is you to go on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram and all the links are on markandme.com. I've made it so easy for you. And just hit that retweet button, hit the share button on Facebook, or if you're on Instagram, why not just like it or put it as your stories? Because honestly, it gets a whole new audience. Someone might be listening to the used and not realise that there's an interview out there with Bert. They see the picture, they see the artwork. The next thing you know, they're fully on board and listening to Mark and me every week. And that is truly marketing that money can't buy. If you want to go that little bit further and support me on another level, I do have a Patreon account. Each and every month, anyone that signs up to my Patreon instantly gets an amazing badge, some stickers, you get a newsletter each and every month, you're starting to get episodes that are exclusive just for people that support me on Patreon or on Apple Podcasts by subscribing, and it's as little as $3.99 a month. You're guaranteed two episodes each and every week, not month, every week, you get exclusive access, you get loads of stuff, you get exclusive competitions, and this helps me keep the podcast going. I don't pay myself for this podcast. What I do with the money that comes in is travel the country, going to festivals, going to gigs, and interviewing as many people as I can to give you guys at home even more content. So please, if you can afford just three or four pounds a month, the link's on markandme.com, and it really, really helps Mark and me. 
One more thing I just want to announce is this week I've just signed an amazing partnership with the great folks over at Folio Society. For me, and I'm not just saying this, they've not paid me to say it, I'm a huge collector of really fine books and I absolutely adore all their work. So to announce this partnership really is something very special for me. I'm going to be running some amazing competitions on all my social media over the next couple of weeks, giving away some of their best books. But in the meantime, jump on foliosociety.com, look at some amazing books. And if you want, buy me something from there as well, because really, they have the best selection. I've just got Jaws, Clockwork Orange, The Shining, and there's so much I want to get. So please check them out. And a huge thanks and welcome on board Folio Society. The last thing to do is to say that I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself, go and listen to the used, take care, and I'll speak to you all very soon. Wake up and I'm underground, I can't see no sign of life around, I can't seem to find a pulse to I'm a ghost Me and my head are enemies I'm tired of fighting everything Lately I found it tough to give a fuck about anything I feel numb, numb Does anybody else feel numb? I feel numb, numb Does anybody else feel numb? I'm better off in silent mode, straight from the outside overload Can't really shut it off, got all these thoughts making me unwell Feel numb.